Hey everyone, welcome to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Chelswick, joined by Mr. Matt Drury. Matt, how are you? I'm good, man. What's up? Uh, you know what? It's the heat of the summertime, but we're getting very close to the start of deer seasons, and I know I'm not the only one who's excited about getting started. Yeah, so, you know, it's you got to kind of get through the grind of July, right, and, and mm-hmm. August uh, yeah. to get to the time of year that we all love, but we're almost through July by the time this airs it probably will be about the end of July so you know that's when things start really getting serious Mm -hmm. most you know most of the bucks are pretty much developed into what they're going to be more or less Mm -hmm. so um trail camera pictures mean something now exactly so you know everybody that's the time where you start getting texts from your buddy and you're like (laughs) look at this slammer I got and if you don't have a slammer you're just like that looks great. <laughs> and I don't have any slammers yet. I don't know yet because my, my lease, we, we just got the cameras out a week or two ago. And then the, the new piece that Dad and I bought, unfortunately, it's been under – it's right on the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. And it's been underwater twice since we That's bought it. That's the trade-off between it fertile is. soil and Yeah, it is. Flooding. That being said, I mean, we, we, we knew that. And, and we purposely didn't plant any grain there yeah. for that reason uh, and, and plan on going in and planting the biologic here in august and Mm -hmm. and hope we get some really good fall food plots going and i have a feeling that and dad you know as soon as we walked the place you know back in in the winter time or early spring whenever it was we kind of both said you know what this probably is only going to be good during the rut we don't know yet but Mm -hmm. um i i've been telling myself not to get too tore up whether or not i have good pictures early season because i might but with the way that that water's been on the, the property and, you know, I just, I'm not holding high hopes. So yeah. got to get the inventory out nonetheless and start figuring, figuring the piece out. So It'd be crazy if hip waders became part of your kit <laughs> to get to your deer stand. I don't think it's going <laughs> to. Let's hope not. <laughs> so that kind of parlays us right into today's question yep. about, about new properties. And we'll get into that in a second, but I uh, want to quick introduce our, uh, guest today, Tom Ware from the Jury Outdoors team. And if anybody has watched our stuff over the last decade, they've seen Tom and, and uh, his band of merry men, yeah, uh, Mike Clementson and, and uh, Scott Manifold. And, and of course, Tom's daughters, they've had tremendous success on all different types of, of properties, small and large and everything in between. And Tom's one of the best at, uh, on our team, especially on uh, uh, growing big whitetails, finding good pieces and cultivating them into great pieces and making everyone else jealous that's in the right, process right. of those what, big what's bucks. up tom how are you buddy <laughs> i'm good hey thank you very much that was a nice introduction uh i don't know about if it's all true but uh, i tell you what we have a lot of fun that's for sure well so uh we have uh the question of the day is brought to you by cabela's and it's from caleb emmerich and caleb is over in indiana hey guys this is caleb emmerich from indiana and i wanted to ask uh when you're looking at a new hunting property, um, what is the first thing you're looking for? Food or water, cover? Um, what's your order of operations, getting those things there? Where do you like to place your stands? Um, just want to know what your order of operations was and what the first things are you look at. Thanks. 
So Tom, you were first on our list of guys to address this because you have so much experience with selecting properties and figuring out what's important. And you have such a track record of killing great deer. You obviously have some type of a system. So, so first off, because Caleb's, Caleb's question is kind of in three parts. What's important to you when you look at a property? And then uh, what's your order of operations and how, how you set it up? And then kind of lastly, where do you hang stands? But when you start looking at a parcel, what is important mm-hmm. to you? Well, you know, I, uh, first of all, it's a great question, Caleb. Uh, I start, I kind of had to ask myself that, uh, I said, you know, when I, when I first heard his question, uh, I said, you know, how, how do I break that down? And I started kind of, uh, just breaking it down in my mind. And I, and mm-hmm. I, I thought about it when I, when I first look at an aerial photo, that is indeed what I'm looking at. Usually when I'm looking at farms, cause that's how they sell, they'll be on a website or, uh, or maybe it's, you know, the neighbors for sale comes up, uh, and, and you're looking usually at an aerial photo and, and I'm looking at how much timber there might be, how much farmland there might be, or lakes, ponds, creeks, how much cover, uh, mm-hmm. is there for whitetails? Is there enough cover to hold a large amount of whitetails? Uh, the, the type of, uh, uh, populations that might be there and stuff like that. Um, that's that's kind of the first thing I'll look at. And Tom, are, are any of those components the absence of them, or, or is that a deal breaker for you? If there's food cover but no water, will you pass, or does it depend? Um, you know, it just kind of depends on each property. Uh, I know uh, uh, a farm I bought in Illinois a few years ago didn't have. You mentioned water; didn't have water on the north uh, 300 acres, and I actually went in and built a pond and really change the whole way the deer move on that side of the farm so um it it just depends but one thing for sure i need is a lot of cover sure so for you you know when you got when you talk to any agent any good um you know white tail properties or mossy oak properties guys they talk about having good tillable Mm -hmm. and and that being an important factor in trying to sell a piece so as a buyer is that something that is a huge factor for you or are are you more concerned with um that cover because obviously you need to hold the deer in in order to have deer you can always put in some some hidey hole food plots or or what have you that as a listing agent they're usually concerned from a standpoint of of an out-of-state buyer needing to you know turn turn a profit on on the piece or have some sort of income right yeah for me uh you know i've bought and sold oh gosh probably 20 to 25 farms over the past 10 years and uh i always seem to hold on to a lot of them quite quite long because i kind of fall in love with them but uh definitely income and crop is important because it helps you um helps uh it helps pay for a lot of things whether it's fences or gates or spraying your food plots or planting the seed i mean uh helps me when I get home and talk about it with my wife. It helps, <laughs> sure helps explain a lot of that. The most important factor. <laughs> I just bought That's some right. magic beans. <laughs> now, now what, what role, if any, do neighbors play? Do you ever kind of talk to people on adjacent properties when you're considering uh, buying a parcel? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's probably the next thing I do after really breaking down that aerial photo is I'll expand the aerial photo, whether it's on Google Earth or a site like that, and I'll look at what the neighbors have. Is it all pasture? Hmm. 
Is it, uh, you know, uh, I have a farm I bought, a 178-acre farm that Scott Manifold and I own in Iowa. And the great thing about that is there's about 50 acres tillable, and it's the only tillable acres in, like, gosh, thousands of acres around us. So it's the perfect storm. We kind of named it the perfect storm because, you know, all those, um, all the timber around us is timber and pasture. So there's cattle around us and there's a lot of timber that will hold deer, but it seems like they come on us to bed and they come on us to feed. So we, we hold a lot of deer um, just because of the food, the food factor. So that that that's definitely the next, next thing I do, Tim, is I look at the neighbors and sometimes I'll call the neighbors and, you know, if I can get a hold of them and find out mm-hmm. who it is and I'll find out, you know, do they practice QDM? Do they what kind of management plan do they have? Things like that. Have the neighbors ever broken a deal for you? Like you just you thought the property looked great, but then you talked to the neighbors and you're thinking maybe not so much. Uh, I wouldn't not, I cannot recall in breaking any deals, but mm-hmm. I can definitely, I know a couple instances where I was definitely more interested in the farm because I found out the neighbors, you know, they only shoot four year and a bu- four year and older bucks or yeah. something like that. Okay. So I definitely helped, helped sell the farm or it helped me buy the farm quicker. Sure, sure. It kind of augments yeah. the deal. So, yeah, is is there absolutely. a certain ratio of cover, you know, to, to mm-hmm. tillable that that you look for, or you know, is it more of hey, let's look at the total surroundings and see, you know, like you just mentioned here with with that yeah. piece. What's your strategy there? Well, every again, everyone's different because I've I've I bought some little farms that might butt up next to a big. Um, I remember I had a little 20 acre parcel in Greene County, Illinois, and it didn't have a lot of timber. It had a lot of CRP and just a couple fingers, actually like big one, one big finger, but it had a big chunk of timber right, right to the neighbor. So I knew that, you know, if I, if I planted some food plots, I I would be drawing some deer over. Uh, But usually, I mean, the ideal situation would be, I don't know, it's anywhere from 50-50 mix from crop to uh, uh, tillable. A lot, I mean, that's a lot of income. That's nice for a, a, a recreational piece to have at least 50% mm-hmm. tillable. That's ideal. Um, anywhere down to maybe 25% to a third, 33%. Somewhere any, anywhere from 25% to 50% is nice. It just it helps pay for a lot of uh, a lot of things and then i've also bought pieces that have absolutely zero income um and then you know i've i've bulldozed some areas to make some tillable and, and try to get some income i i always try to get a little income it's it's kind of tough to have a piece and you have no income and you have to pay property tax and you, you know you have all the other things that that cost you in in, in uh farming uh that, that you have to pay for out of pocket yeah now, so you've obviously bought and sold a lot of properties in your time. Um, for someone that is looking to buy their first farm, would you suggest that they go through a broker, or is it something that you could, if you're, you know, relatively smart enough, you can figure it out on your own? Well, it's uh, you mean as far as finding a realtor to to uh, go, you know, it's it's teach their own. Uh, mm-hmm. I uh, it's usually if if you can get on several different sites, you know, uh, and, and look, but realtors are sure nice they 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 usually know the farms and how much they're priced at what the income is whether they can be signed up into crp they might know some farmers uh, in the area that you can use uh i i usually go through a realtor for sure okay 
So to, to kind of backtrack a little bit, let's, let's just take, take us through step one. Once you've identified the property and you've bought it, you, you got boots on the ground now, just t- kind of take us through, you know, what that okay. looks like for you. Absolutely. Um, usually after I've, you know, kind of investigated that, uh, that aerial photo, I might look for things that, uh, whether structure, maybe it's a big pond, uh, maybe it's, uh, something weird about the property. Like maybe there's an apple orchard, an old apple orchard that still has quite a few apple trees, or, uh, is there a big, uh, ravine where the deer won't cross, uh, because it's too steep, uh, things like that. I'll, I'll just look at the structure of the ground and usually I go walk it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's one of my favorite things to do is just get out in the timber. It's usually easier walking, you know, and March and February, March, April, that time before it, you know, in the middle of summer, it's pretty tough, but, uh, of course I still do it. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, uh, um, I'm looking for where the food might be and where the, the, the bedding areas are. So I'm going to see how the deer are using that property. Uh, and then of course, my mind, if, if I have already decided to whether lease the property or buy the property, then I'm looking at the whole time my mind is just churning on where can I put this food plot? How can I access this food plot, you know, based on a North wind or a South wind or whatever, you know, whatever wind might be best for that certain food plot. Which is probably not something that everyone considers when they think, you know, okay, that this property has all the, the, the components of the equation, but you don't think about access to your stand until you need to get into your stand and then you're like, Oh man, I think I'm going to bust some deer yeah. getting in here because the, the wind just doesn't work. So it's a good, it's a good reminder to consider that you got to figure an exit and an entrance route. Absolutely. That's something Mark and Terry always drill into me. It's like, well, how are you going to access it? It's like, ah, well, it was a good idea for a food plot to be put there. Yeah. But you're right. I just basically busted every deer on my way to the stand. No good if you yeah. can't get in there. Yeah. Yeah. We, we hunt a lot of uh, edges, meaning edges of our property. We're trying to put a food plot. Maybe there's a big piece of timber right in the center of the property. I'm not going to go with a bulldozer and make a new food plot right in the middle of that timber because I just – you can get there and I'm not saying you can't kill a big deer there, but, uh, they're going to figure you out before you figure them out. Mm. Yeah. So, so, so let so you've got the property and you decide that there are some pretty significant land features that you want to improve or change, like the pond that you mentioned putting in how, about how much time does it take for things to settle down and for the deer to establish maybe a new routine that you figure out, okay, like, going to take this much time before things settle down and I, and, and, and it'll kind of look like it's going to look when I hunt it. That's a great question. Um, not very long. It's kind of like mm. us, you know, a new restaurant goes up and all of a sudden we're like, Hey, you try it out you're back, you're back. You're going there all the time. It's, it does not take long at all. They'll find a little food plot. Uh, you know, uh, it's got, if you got good good rains and the Nebraska's coming up or clover or if it's beans or corn, whatever it might be, they seem to uh, find it very quickly. Okay. Yeah. So you have a, a map in the background. For those of you that are listening, you can watch the show on YouTube. Just go to DOD TV and, and check out the 100% Wild podcast. But you, so you're clearly a land guy because yeah. you have a satellite imagery behind you. What, what is, yeah. what is that? Well, here, I'll take you over to, uh, 
I got a couple. Uh, this is my office, and uh, it's kind of my passion is land. So I'm always, uh, uh, I'm always, you know, these are. This is my Iowa farm here, and the one that was behind me earlier is my Illinois farm, and they're mm-hmm. my two biggest farms. And uh, it kind of, I don't know if the glare's real bad there. I'll try to see if I can get a little better. But this kind of shows you, uh, you know, this is my Iowa farm. There's a big section of timber in the middle. And I try not to go into there. And uh, here's like one, here's my border right here. But uh, luckily this farmer, he allows me to go in here. I can, I can go in and access this, this from the south mm-hmm. and I'll hunt this food plot. All the bedding is, is to the north and I can access it from the south with the wind in my face. So, you know, that's one of our, uh, that's called the memorial field. It's just been a big producer for years and years. Okay. Uh, there's here's another one uh I, you, if anybody's watched the Drury shows you know they they know i killed that buck willy wonka this is one <laughs> it's got cedars all the way around it and we actually access it through this pasture uh again i lease this property here so that so i can access it through here and uh you, there's a box blind right there so it's it's very easy to get in uh quiet and the you know the deer are not uh, bedded you know in areas where you go through so it works yeah. out works out rather well and tom Sorry, how yeah. big how big would you say those printouts are up on your wall they're they're pretty massive oh uh, yeah those are pretty big um well let's see they're one of them is about well they're both about One's four by four and the other one's like three by four yeah so the, the reason i ask is it seems like if if you have guests in to hunt that would be an incredible tool to be able to show folks like, okay, here's where I'd like you to go. Here's how to access it. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would strongly recommend it. If you got a farm that you're keeping for a while, we use them for everything, whether we're talking about stands, food plots, how to get, you know, where we found, uh, we use them for other things where we find mushrooms, where we, Mm. you know, what pond. Show us that map. (laughs) They're just so handy. They're just so handy. Yeah. So, Tom, any other steps from there? You know, once you you really kind of honed in, what what then? I mean, I guess trying to really figure out where exactly your food plot is, what you're planning, yep. maybe the strategy yep. of what your food source is. Right. Uh, definitely. In fact, I was just strategizing it with a, a couple guys that helped me plant everything. Uh, just today, actually, ironically, it happened to be before you guys called. And you know, we'll try to set up like we were talking about radishes biologic radishes we want to make sure that we have radishes for early season the problem with radishes is they don't last very long because the deer annihilate them Mm. so they're only really good i have found out at least from my deer herd they they know that i'm going to plant them somewhere they find out where they're they're, as soon as i plant them and they start growing they start eating them so they'll only last uh gosh we're lucky if they get through october and november they're just eaten down to Mm. the to the ground so we plan to plant radishes for those early season killing plots um otherwise they're gone so then once you transition into the rut and then and then late season what's what's the strategy there well then we have things like last bite or winter bulbs and sugar beets uh um you know regular turnips stuff like that clover clover and soybeans and corn are always uh are always good uh but those uh we'll try not to plant radishes like right you know and maybe a food plot that's three or four hundred yards away from each other then you're kind of competing on the same food source so if 
you, you know, if they're into radishes, I want that big buck in that timber to be in that radish field instead of having to wonder if he's going to be in this one or this one 300 yards away or this third one that's, you know, a quarter mile away. I, I want to know, like, hey, if I have radishes, I'm after a five, six, seven-year-old buck. He's probably going to know they're there. And, you know, of course, I'm using my Reconyx cameras the entire time as well. And with a combination of all that, I, you know, I'll determine, you know, where I'm going to hunt based on the food and the, what the camera says. Great. So what about yeah. stand location? How do you, because that, that to me is, is one of the ultimate, that's kind of the, the end of the road in terms of your strategy, because mm-hmm. you can have a great food plot, but if your stand is not in the right location, it, it's not going to matter. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't have to be food plot. It could be acorns, you know, that are natural food plot. Sure. Uh, uh, well, I'm always looking at the wind and access. So if I can keep, as I'm entering my stand, if I can keep the wind blowing away from where the deer would be bedded. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you know, I actually write it down on a piece of paper uh, and and I'm sitting there going, okay, I might write down south winds. What stands do I have for south wind? You know, and if it's a big piece, you know, if a 700 acre farm like these two I have in my wall is, you know, it, it takes a lot of thinking. If it's a 40 acre or 20 acre or 10 acre piece, then, you know, you might only have one stand for a south wind, which is mm-hmm. fine. Uh, but, I, you know, I'll write down, hey, if it's a south wind stands, uh, you know, my if I have names, form or numbers, you know, just everybody's different. So uh, and then when it's a south wind, I, I might go to that list and go, I can hunt these you know, maybe it's these three stands are great for a straight south wind. Um, if it's, you know, I even write down if it's a morning stand or an evening stand. So I might have a list of south wind morning stands. There might only be two that are perfect for straight south wind. Or if it's a south-southwest wind or a southwest wind. You know, all those, I write down every single variation. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a nut on just <laughs> watching the wind and, uh, and making sure it's in my face, you know. I want to add something here. If you didn't know, Tom also used to own an outfitting business. So yeah. <laughs> so so this and this mindset it, it came in handy. You know, it came from no somewhere, kidding. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah I outfitted for eleven years in Pike County, Illinois. So that kind of gave me, you know, we had three hundred and fifty sets, you know, of a stand. So I had to kind of be detailed. I just kind of took it from the business. And now it's now it's just me hunting and my friends and family. So yeah, it, it's nice not having to take a bunch of clients out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when your livelihood depends on people killing deer, then I imagine you get pretty darn detailed about when yeah. and where to go. Yeah, and yeah. So- you, you definitely do, don't. It's the same thing though. You 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 don't want to overpressure your stands, mm-hmm. and you got to know when to go in there and when it's you know um, when the timing's right. And uh, instead of just you know, just banging in there in the early season and, and hunting mornings and you got to try to be patient. I always use the analogy patience of a spider because, you know, a spider, much like a bow hunter, kind of cast him his web and you know, can only can only catch that bug, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a zone area. Mm-hmm. And kind of like us, we can only shoot so far with a bow, you know, right. maybe 40 yards in every, in every direction. And you're just right there waiting, waiting for that bug to fly through or waiting for that big buck to walk through. And it's, it's very similar. So that's my uh, motto for this fall. Now be the spider. Yeah, I like Patience it. Of the spider. Be the spider. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you think about stands, do you differentiate 
location and the type of stand, whether it's a box blind or a hang on or a ground blind, how do you make your decisions around that? Well, um, I hunt a lot more box blinds than I used to. Um, and why is that? Uh, well, there's a lot of reasons. I, I will say probably one of the biggest reasons is I have three little girls and a wife that are concerned about me. Mm -hmm. And I have several uh, guys on the Drury team and uh, just all kinds of people I know in the industry have fallen out, breaking their broken their backs or uh, paralyzed. And, and uh, you know, this can be a dangerous sport. And uh, box blinds have... Uh, for that, for that one fact alone is probably the biggest reason. The second uh, reason is I was hunting a lot with my children uh, and and uh, my two oldest girls, which they seem to be more interested in boys now than than bucks. But uh, uh, <laughs> something new. They, uh, <laughs> they they would sit in a box blind for a lot longer yeah. than up against a tree or a ground blind. It seems like a box blind. No, you go, you put carpet in there. They can get on the floor. They can they can uh, take their phone with them, and uh, you know so I've heard of some parents they don't want them to take their phone or they don't want them to take any games. Uh, the way I look at it is, I had three to three and a half hours with my child, one on one. You mm -hmm. know, there's going to be some downtime where they can play their game, and 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 dead time where there's not deer you know when you get in early and and so i, I always let them take it and and uh i just enjoyed the one-on-one -on -one time with them so that's the second reason i use box blinds is um is because of that now i'd say the third is is scent control scent control uh if it's cool and uh you can keep the window shut uh you can really really control your scent a lot better hmm. so and with all of our, you know, our nomad clothing and, and the scent, you know, and the, everything we use to control scent nowadays, it's just, uh, it's, it's once you're in that blind, uh, not actually getting to stand, you know, but uh, once you're in that blind, it's, it's great. So is there any scenario where you would opt for a hang on tree stand or a ladder stand versus a box blind? Oh, oh for sure. <laughs> Like in the timber, you can't put, mm -hmm. uh, you can't put, well, you can, you can put box blinds in timber. I haven't yet, but uh, I've always wanted to do that, but I just haven't got around to doing that yet. And I, I still would prefer to hunt out of a, a lock on stand because, uh, you can just see all around you and you just sure. feel, you feel like more natural. You're in the timber, you know, you're, uh, you're in your mossy oak camouflage and you just kind of <laughs> blend into nature. I, I, of course, I think probably everyone agree that they would rather be in a, a lock on and you just yeah. feel better about being out there. But as far as improving your chances to actually harvest that buck, I got to go with the box blind. And we've seen that over the years. I mean, you know, we, I've said it on the podcast a lot. We take some heat for the, the box blinds, Absolutely. but it, the reality is when you do, when you try to film your hunt and, mm -hmm. and do it at the level that we're doing it as far as consistency, and the caliber of, of whitetails and you know we have four tv shows and all the online stuff like you know in theory it's great to sit in a lock on sure. every day of the season in reality when you can improve your chances by putting a box blind just scent control factor being the most important mm -hmm. in that side of things on the, you know on the edge of a food plot i mean our success has gone through the roof in the last decade or so yeah. decade plus because of those two things, you know, the, the, the food plot architecture 
and the box blinds. You don't have the tree. Yeah. Well, if, if you can, and you don't, that doesn't mean you have to buy one every time. I mean, you can build them and you know, there's a lot of blue collar guys out there that have great carpentry skills and yep. you know, yep. there's a lot of ways to skin that cat, so to speak. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, it just has really helped us as a company over the, over the last 10, 15 years tremendously. Sure. Yeah. Another thing, Matt, is, is, uh, everyone probably didn't realize that you, we got all that camera gear yeah. and if it rains even for, you know, five minutes while you're out there for the whole day during November, you know, it can ruin your cameras and yeah. you've got, you know, you got your GoPros up and everything else. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, twice yeah. the scent, twice the, cam- you know, the, the, the camera gear, the, the gear, the all the stuff, it, yeah. it's, it becomes cumbersome and, that, and that's not really the point of the conversation, but it, a box blind just, it, it helps. <laughs> it mm-hmm. makes it a little bit easier yep. and you'll take every advantage you can get. One of my favorite box blinds was a guy owned a property by Litchfield, Illinois. Everyone just called him Sleepy. I don't know what his real name was, but he would go, he would, he would get these old broken down, um, RV, like tow behind RVs and just park them out in his woods. (laughs) (laughs) He would just hunt out of those. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's amazing what an old structure like that or something will, will work, you know, an old barn. I, I used to hunt out of an old barn in my eye when finally the barn fell down. So we were kind of bummed when we couldn't hunt out of it anymore. It yeah, your blind cool. fell down. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, and anything else, property, stand, location related that you think folks ought to, ought to know, Tom? Well, uh, I would say, you know, one of the last things I do is I contact the neighbors and at least a lot, not not every single time, if I can't get a hold of them uh, or if I've heard through reputation that, you know, that they're just meat hunters and they don't want to be pushed to try to manage deer, then I, I don't, you know, everyone's, uh, uh, everyone's different. So a lot of them don't want, uh, they don't want to be pushed into managing deer, which sure. I, I never try to do that. But if they say, hey, you know, are you going to manage and shoot five-year-old and above deer and then and I'll, you know, maybe I'll stop shooting two and three year olds. Uh, we'll just go for four year olds. And, you know, that's, that's a great start. I mean, uh, I have, I have several farms I shoot four year olds on, uh, you know, and that's, that's what I try to do is just, uh, you know, you put out the cameras, you, mm-hmm. you, you try to see what's there. And then, uh, if you take some of those pictures, share them with your neighbors and say, Hey, this deer's three, he looks three anyway, but sometimes you can't tell. And try to discuss that, you know, hey, do you want to pass this deer? They really appreciate just the communication. Sure. And they might just say, hey, no, I'm shooting that deer no matter what. And you say, okay, <laughs> that's fine, too. Mm-hmm. Then you know that, hey, if he comes by, maybe you want to shoot him or maybe you don't. Or maybe you want to let your daughter shoot him or, um, you know, whatever. But it's it, communication, communication with the neighbors. Great. For sure. Awesome. So, Tim, before we kind of move on here, what, you know, what do you look for when you're – going in on a new piece or looking for a new piece? So most of the first off is I'm, I'm just typically happy to get a piece of property to hunt because I, I, I just, it, I think it's so, and most of the properties I have to hunt are ones that I've not purchased, but they're just properties that people have allowed me to come on to hunt. So I'm just thankful that they've invited me onto their property because that's a pretty big, 
it's it, it's a big honor to be asked to come onto someone's land and hunt. Um, so so I'll I'll look for because most of them are smaller parcels. I'll look for trails and is this a thoroughfare for deer and is there some nasty thick stuff that I can get into because that's typically I'll take a climber and I'll go in I'll t- kind of do the gorilla style deer hunting. So I look for cover. I look for access in and out. And those are the, those are the primary things that I'm looking for. But I'm not looking at larger multi-acre farms i'm looking at kind of smaller chunks of ozark woods that we have here in missouri yeah so and 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 kind of a little bit of of backstory tim's had great success doing that and so mm-hmm. um that's why i was curious kind of what your strategy is because uh, it's it's not easy and that's probably a little more applicable to to a large part of the audience is yeah. the style of hunting and what you're doing right now yeah and it, it, it's amazing the the number of big deer that that come by i mean i, I never cease to be amazed and and, and and i think over time and time you probably agree over time you kind of develop a sixth sense for where deer are going to move it starts to feel like intuition but probably you've built that through repetition and learning trial and error um but there's just no better feeling than to walk into the woods, set up a climber, and then see a deer coming right toward, even if it's a doe, that's, that just excites me because it's, it's an affirmation. Like maybe I know what I'm doing. Yeah. You're in the right spot. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, man? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I'm still learning very much learning. And, and so, um, when, when dad and I were looking at, at, trying to find a new piece of property um and and we're trying to do it as as an investment you know Mm -hmm. as something that we potentially will flip in a few years or whatever and so you kind of have that in mind and um you know i so one thing we haven't talked about for me like location was key as far as how far away from my home it was a family yeah Mm -hmm. young family and and otherwise i'd probably be going to to dad's place in kirksville or (laughs) you know to the place he leases in illinois you know but i gotta i gotta find something close well the closer you kind of get to st louis um not to say the worst the hunting is but it's not like what we're used to what I'm used to up in Northern Missouri right. or whatever over in Illinois. So you, you got to really be um, picky there and what mm-hmm. you're looking for. But um, with this piece that we just bought, it was kind of a no brainer because in this river bottom in the Mississippi river bottom that just to the South of us have some really good neighbors that have actually reached out to me when they found out we bought it mm. and, and, and they've been managing their deer. Uh, but we kind of knew from the realtor that, that there were some big deer that yeah. were being killed in there. So for us, like the first thing we did is try to find out what's being killed around us, Sure, you know, and, and, and before we bought it, just what, what, cause, cause you can't set your cameras out. You can't get the inventory mm-hmm. per se. You can walk it obviously with the realtor and go in there and, and, and try to look for sign. And, mm-hmm. and obviously we did that and there was a ton of sign, ton of trails. It had a lot of thick bedding. It didn't have any food on it. Uh, it's in a, and it's in a special Missouri program that you can't, really do anything and everything you want to it you kind of got to get permission and and all that stuff so um you know there were some detractors to it but there were enough positives when it came to the the bedding the cover um in the in the river bottoms there mark and terry have always talked about because they kind of got their start you know back in bloomsdale where we're from Mm -hmm. the 40 acre club it's it's same thing it's in the mississippi river hills and um and then over in illinois when they started hunting pike you know that that stuff was very similar and and tom's obviously very familiar with that ground out there and so dad had a really good knowledge base so for me as somebody i'm just trying to learn it's it's trying to pick up on the tells like playing Mm, poker it's trying to pick up on mark and terry's tells what are they looking for (laughs) you know and it's a little different mark he's going to be looking 
far. Um, you know, he, he, he's just a mastermind. He's looking for a lot of things. But one of the things he really keys in on, obviously, outside of cover is, is you know, that access in. Sure. And, and on this piece, the access is, it can be good because since there's no food and, and all the cover, all kind of, all the terrain looks the same, mm-hmm. we could kind of figure out if we can get, if I ever get my cameras out, <laughs> we can figure out where the deer kind of, where I'm getting daylight activity yeah. and plant work around that work around that plant mm-hmm. to where I can get easy access. So, um, I got a lot of work to do in a short amount of time here, but it, the river's <laughs> finally kind of receding and, and it's going to allow me to get back in there. But cover obviously is the first thing we, you know, that, that Mark and Terry usually preach. They don't, mm-hmm. they, they, they want to sure. make sure the deer are in there first, you know? So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. The, the whole factor that you brought up in terms of, uh, how close it is to your home and how quickly you can get there. That that's one of the things that, that really works well for me. Cause my, my properties are all within like a half hour to an hour away with the exception. I'll go to an outfitter down in Southern Missouri, which is like a three hour trip. But I, and cause that, that just yields more time in the stand, which, uh, yeah, can lead to yeah, more my, success. It, it's a huge factor because if, if, you know, when you have a young family, it's not like when I was growing up and dad and Mark started the company, mm-hmm. they, they were gone all the time. And, and it's just a different time when they, they grew up, their dad was gone in construction all the time. Yeah. They never saw him. Yeah, Expectations it, are different. They, they are totally different yeah. now. And so it's, it's a factor for a young guy that's maybe looking for a new piece, whether he's leasing it or looking to buy it or looking to get permission or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, that's a factor. So for me, I guess that'd be my number one thing is location uh, distance from my house. It's got <laughs> to sure fit I your get, life. I got to get home at night. <laughs> right. If I don't get home at night, you know, I'm in trouble. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> awesome. Well, th- that was a, it. Was a great, comprehensive discussion. Hopefully, Caleb, you got your questions answered, and we we're able to help you out a little bit. Uh, so we've got a lot of stuff cooking here at Drury Outdoors, Matt. You want to clue the folks into what's what's shaking? Yeah. First of all, if you want to leave a question for the podcast, uh, you can go over to the juryoutdoors.com website slash podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, and there's a little uh, sidebar, I think it's called speak pipe mm-hmm. and, and you can leave your question uh, via your phone. And so we definitely want you guys to submit uh, plenty of questions and we're going to keep this thing rolling, try to get one every week out. Um, of course you can listen to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild podcast on all the major um, places that podcasts are. So Google, Stitcher, um, iTunes, iTunes yep. any more I'm missing there? Probably, but yeah, yeah if, if you're a podcaster, you will find us. Make sure and subscribe. Of course, you can watch it here at the Drury Outdoors YouTube channel. And while you're there, we got tons of things going on right now. Uh, 13's cutting room floor. Uh, pretty much all the behind-the-scenes footage that doesn't make the cut of the TV show, which there's a ton because mm-hmm. we just can't squeeze it all into yeah. 30 minutes. And then, uh, of course, we get the new show, Critical Mass, and we have uh, what we call Critical Mass Extreme, which uh, it's, it's a hunt that's never – it's an actual harvest that's never been seen anywhere before. Exclusive, so, yeah. Yeah, it's exclusive to, to the Drury Outdoors uh, um, YouTube channel. So uh, the other thing going forward that we've been – hitting quite a bit on TV is the uh, new app that we got coming out August 28th uh, called DeerCast. And um, that's something that we're really, really excited about because Mark and Terry and myself and the team here, we put a lot of effort into it. We've been beta testing it for you know, <laughs> close to two years and it's finally kind of ready to see see daylight. And of course, Tom and the team had a chance to to um, kind of get a hold of it last fall and you know let us know your thoughts, Tom, on, on, on the oh, app itself. You know, I'm going to sound like a commercial, uh, but I always, I always tell everybody, I only 
say in front of the camera what I believe. If it's not, if it's a sponsor and I really don't like it, I, you know, I probably won't say a lot. But and I say a lot about a lot of our sponsors because I like a lot of them. Um, this one for sure is I can get into Mark and Terry's mind through an algorithm on a on a on a app without having to text Mark anymore. So he probably loves it. He's not getting all these. Maybe that's why he developed it. Hey, where do I hunt? On, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, you know, the, the, the atmospheric pressure of this and the yeah. temperature is this and that. And he'll be, uh, he'd always come up with this different thought than I had. And I was like, gosh, I was going to hunt the, I was going to hunt this timbered ridge. And he's going to, he's saying, uh, hunt the bottoms and do this. And I, yeah. I was always like, how does he know? And then sure enough, we'd go to these bottoms and that, you know, we'd kill a big buck and we're like, gosh, thanks, Mark. <laughs> yeah. So it's now it's all in an app. I don't have to, you know, I, I, I seriously, I, I do not have to text him hardly at all anymore. Uh, he might be texting me, you know, like, what are you seeing here? And we're always kind of questioning each other sure. and, and trying to find out what's best. But now it's he took all his, his brain power and, and, and Terry's together, combined them and, and put them into this app. And we were on it every day last year. You know, is is it good? Is it bad? Is it great conditions? Last year we had really cold temperatures, and uh, it seemed like a lot of days were great. Huh? Yeah, and it, it came true. We had a lot of high pressure, cold temperatures. The moon was right at the right time of year. Oh. Last year was a good year in a lot of ways, but I think yeah. you know what you know in beta testing, we we felt like the app was you know eighty five ninety percent accurate throughout the fall and maybe a little bit optimistic mm-hmm. on the optimistic side. So we've, we've kind of messed with the algorithm a little bit before we launch here in August and, and yeah. try to hone in on it even more and put in some built in uh, pessimisms and, and, yeah. and that th- sort of sort of thing. So anyways, it's, we're excited about it. I look forward to seeing what the user at home uh, feels like with it. I mean, it's, it's, we're becoming a tech company. We're not a tech company. We're, we're a couple, you know, we're a bunch of good old boys that, you know, uh, like to hunt and, and like to share the information and, and try to help other people learn from our mistakes. And hopefully this app continues to do that. I mean, that's kind of the bread and butter of what Drury Outdoors Foundation was built on. And I think this is going to be just finally kind of the corner of that foundation yeah. and, and we can complete it. It's, it's going to be pretty awesome. I think people are really going to like it. August 28th, mark yeah. it on your calendar. That's the day it'll be available for download. And if you want kind of pre-release sneak yeah. peeks and information and you want to be a power user when it comes out, sign up to be a DeerCast insider, go to juryoutdoors.com slash DeerCast and uh, submit your email. And we'll make sure that we, uh, we send you out some, some how to's before it launches. So yep. big stuff coming. Yep. Absolutely. Free app. So, uh, here in year one so we're, we're looking to get a lot of feedback and, and hopefully a lot of users and, and um, we're excited a little nervous mm-hmm. but excited <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> cool well Tom thanks for joining us again we, we really appreciate you. your insight alright great well, Matt appreciate it guys how about we shut this thing down yeah I think uh, I think that's it all she wrote for this episode of the Drury Outdoors 100% Wildcast until next time peace out see ya have a good one <laughs> <laughs>